0: Well, good morning again. Good to see all of you. Uh, The past couple of weeks, uh, our host daughter, Navia, was home, um, which was a great blessing to us. Um, For those of you who don't know uh, who that is, Navia was our host daughter when she was a junior and senior in high school. Uh, She came here from India to be a student at Wheaton Academy, Uh, was there her freshman through senior year. And believe it or not, she is now going to be a senior at Huntington University, going to be graduating in nursing this spring. And uh, so we're really excited for uh, what God has for her in her future. While she was home, uh, we decided to finally teach her how to drive. <laughs> now, that is a nerve wracking experience for anybody who's ever done that. Can I get an amen out of that? Amen. Whew. So we started by going over uh, in the neighborhood over here in Arrowhead neighborhood. Started with, started with the neighborhood. Might not be the best place to start if you ever have to do this. There's so many things to watch out for in the neighborhood. I was warning her constantly, watch out for that kid playing over there. Watch out for that kid running by the street. Watch out for the car that's parked on the side of the road. Watch out that you don't go too fast. Watch out, it curves over here. You gotta watch over the curve. I was warning her constantly, probably not being a very good teacher. (laughs) But there were so many things we had to watch out for, things that if she ran into, someone could get hurt. Now, all of us as disciples, we're driving through life. And Jesus gives us many warnings in this passage in the Sermon on the Mount. And he's not just giving just four better tips on, you know, tips on how to drive better. He's not just giving four tips on being a good driver. No, he's giving you four warning signs. Because if we don't heed them, we will drive off a cliff to our own peril. Jesus sometimes refers to this as hell or destruction. Now I realize I'm bringing up now a serious matter, but it is a serious matter. I cannot stress how serious enough that Jesus takes these things and warns us. And he gives us four warnings in this text. And I'm going to do my best to represent to you faithfully what I believe Jesus is warning us about. But ultimately, it will be up to you on whether you heed his warning Or not. The first warning he gives us is to watch out for the wide road. Watch out for the wide road. If you'd like to follow along in in your Bibles or in your phone, Matthew 7, Jesus says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. So, Jesus, he really agrees with the Old Testament uh, tradition that really there's just there's two ways to life. God laid this out in the Torah. If you, fo- if you obey me, if you follow me, you will, that will lead to blessing. If they disobeyed God, that would lead to the curse of, by God and judgment by God. Psalm 1 says the same thing. We're, we're induced to follow the path of the righteous but to avoid of the, the way of the wicked which will perish but God watches over the way of the righteous. So Jesus, he affirms that this is true. There there are essentially two paths to life you you can take. The one that's toward God and the one that's away from God. And Jesus adds an interesting element to this two paths tradition. He says the way that's away from God is wide. It's a wide path. It's a broad path. And it's got a big, wide gate. All of this is saying that this road is really easy to travel on. It's real easy. You know, if you're a traveler in the first century, if you're traveling with animals and, you know, packs and lots of people, uh, certainly it would make it easier to have a broad road. There's plenty of room, it won't cause you much discomfort. It's, in fact, it's much more comfortable than the narrow road. And it probably seems like the logical way to travel. It's wider, it's easier, it's better. And a lot of people are doing it. It's very popular. In addition to being easier, it's also popular. Most people are traveling this way, so you can join your friends, you can join with what most people are doing. How could this road be wrong if so many people think it's great to travel on? But that's the problem. The road away from God is so wide, it's so easy, but people don't see where it ends, they can't see where it leads ahead of time, but Jesus warns us it leads us to destruction. Right to hell, as he sometimes puts it. He warns us to watch out for the wide road or the wide gate, but to enter the kingdom through the narrow gate so that we can walk the narrow road that leads to life. And I think it's important, friends, that you have both metaphors in your mind. It's not just a gate and it's not just a road. It is both together. And I think this is how we should think of our salvation in Christ. In the Gospel of John, Jesus says, I am the gate, whoever enters through me will be saved. So first, we enter the gate. We come to Jesus, the king of the kingdom, and we knock on that door and we ask him to open the door to the kingdom of God. And he is the only one who can open that door. And so when we ask and we seek and we knock at his door, he is eager and glad to open the door to us. So it's all by grace because we cannot open this door on our own. However, the gate opens up to a narrow road that we must now walk if we want to enter the kingdom. We must both enter the gate and we must walk the road to be in the kingdom of God and be saved. Faith in Jesus and then walking after Jesus is what leads to salvation. They go together. They cannot be separated. Scott McKnight says you can avoid these texts if you wish, but anyone who has spent much time with the judgment text in the Bible knows that the Bible teaches that our final destiny is determined by works. We may be saved by faith, but we are judged by works. We are saved by Christ, but Christ saves us into discipleship. See how these can't be separated? We're saved by putting our trust in Jesus, asking Him to open the door to eternal life, but He opens the door to the narrow road that we must walk. Jesus says, It's those who do the will of my Father in heaven who enter the kingdom of God. People think if they just believe, if they just believe in Jesus, if they just go to church, that they'll be saved, but that's not true. That's not what Jesus taught. Being saved means entering the gate, then walking the road, empowered by Jesus. Now, don't get me wrong. Both the entering the gate and the walking are empowered by Jesus and the Holy Spirit. So no one can boast, oh, look how good I'm walking. Look how great I'm walking the road. No, no one can boast about that. It's only by grace that we're empowered to walk the road. But it is we who must do the walking. This is why the narrow road is, the road is narrow and few find it. Or perhaps only a few are willing to walk the narrow road and after trying it for a while, they decide, you know what? The wide road, is so much easier. It's so much more comfortable. And they abandon the narrow road to go back to the wide road. So beware the wide road. Beware of doing just what everybody else is doing. That's what Jesus warns us about. And it invites us to ask ourselves, Which road are you walking on right now? Which road are you on now? Which leads me to the second warning that Jesus gives us is to watch out for fake Christianity. Watch out for fake Christianity. Jumping down to verse 21, Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And then they go on to say, Lord, didn't we do all these things in your name? Didn't we do all this stuff for you? Jesus says, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. I mean, these are some sobering words, aren't they? There will be people who call Jesus Lord who will not enter the kingdom of God. There will be churchgoers who will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Only the one who does the will of my Father, Jesus says. The real concerning part is that these people seem surprised. They seem caught off guard that they're receiving this judgment. They thought they were saved. They thought they were truly Christians. Did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not do all these miracles, drive out demons? I mean, these are impressive, astounding things that were done in the name of Jesus. But friends, remember, even in the Old Testament, this is nothing new. King Saul prophesied, right? Was Saul not among the prophets? And King Saul, did he not offer sacrifices unto God? But yet, the Lord rejected him him as king. People can do things for God. They can outwardly proclaim that he is their Lord, yet they're not truly following him. And I think Jesus boils down true Christianity to, to kind of two things. Do we know him and do we obey him? Do we know Jesus and do we obey Jesus? That's true Christianity. Jesus says to them, depart from me, I never knew you. There's an expectation there of real relationship, of intimacy with Jesus, knowing him, him knowing us. We can never outgrow the personal relationship with Jesus. So does Jesus know you? Do you know him? How's your relationship with him? Are you going through the motions of church? Are you in the routine and the rituals of church but not truly knowing him, walking with him. Jesus said, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Knowing Jesus, knowing God. But it can't be just the knowing, it also has to be the obedience. Because some people, they claim a relationship with Jesus, they claim to walk with him, but they don't do what he says. And that's just as much fake Christianity as well. Jesus said, away to me to these false Christians because they did not do the will of his Father in heaven. They did not practice what Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount. In fact, Jesus calls them evildoers or or lawless ones. The Apostle John says the same thing. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But hear this word if you're concerned. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So there's a word, of warning and a word of hope. But we got Jesus is focused on the warning in the text we have now. That we can say all we want. You're a Christian. I believe in Jesus. But if you don't walk in the light, if you don't walk the narrow road, if you don't walk with him, then you're not following him. You're not a Christian if you don't follow Jesus. Even Satan and and the demons believe in Jesus. Your belief in Jesus will not save you on judgment day. It's not about belief. Enter the narrow gate. Knock earnestly. The door will be eagerly opened to you, but then we must earnestly walk with him as he empowers us by his grace. And you might be thinking, oh, Gosh, I'm I'm afraid, or I'm worried. This seems impossible. How can anybody be saved? Well, it's not impossible. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote, "It is if it's by ourselves." Basically, it says it's truly impossible. But if I see Jesus Christ walking ahead of me, step by step, if I look only at Him and follow Him, step by step, then I will be protected on this path. Friends, you're walking with this path with Jesus, one step at a time. We don't have to worry about the end of the road, but just say, am I on the road with him now? Am I walking with him step by step? And he does give us the grace to keep going and to endure until the end. So we have to watch out for this, though. We have to watch out for fake Christianity, for being self-deceived, for thinking, yes, I believe, but am I truly following him? So we have to watch out that we don't deceive ourselves and we also have to watch out, Jesus says, that others don't deceive us. So this is, this is our third warning. Watch out for false teachers. Watch out for false teachers. Now, Jesus says watch out for false prophets. I've, I've broadened that because the rest of the New Testament does as well, to, to warn us against false teaching, false teachers. We're to watch out for any teacher, pastor, blogger, podcaster, philosopher, politician, anyone who claims to be teaching us the truth about God. We must be discerning, Jesus calls us to. And Jesus paints this picture as these are people who are really on the outside of the kingdom who are dressed up like, they look on the ins- like, the, like they're on the inside. They look like an insider. And Jesus notes that it's going to be hard to tell. These people will be in sheep's clothing. They will look like a Christian. They will say Christian things. So how do we know when someone is teaching truthfully or falsely? Well, that could be a whole sermon series on that. But let me give you just two, two thoughts. Do they live like Jesus, and do they teach what Jesus taught? Do they live like Jesus, and do they teach like Jesus? Those are two good questions. We also get some wisdom from the Old Testament on this, because this is also nothing new. There were false prophets in the Old Testament. Um, the prophet Jeremiah, you might remember this, in chapter 6, Jeremiah was talking about the false prophets in his day. And essentially, they were saying, peace, peace, when there was no peace. Now, if you remember your biblical history, Jeremiah, he prophesied, he taught, kind of during the time before the exile and during the exile, and he was warning the people about the judgment of God that was coming upon them for their sin. But the false prophets were saying, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You're God's people. God will protect you. There's peace. Don't worry about judgment that's coming. That's what the false prophets were saying in the time of Jeremiah. He says they did not treat the wound of my people. In other words, they're like a, like a doctor who sees the report of cancer and says, "All is fine. You're in perfectly good health. Be on your way. There's nothing to worry about." That's what a false prophet tends to do. So, the false prophets in the Old Testament, they would not tell people about judgment or warn them about sin. So we need to watch out for pastors and teachers who do the same, who don't talk about sin or judgment all that much. They use Christian language, they sing the Christian hymns, but they don't talk about judgment like Jesus did. And some people might object, well, look at how great a ministry they have. Look at all the people coming to their church, they have a great church, there's so many people being helped. Friends, a great church in numbers are not a justification. You can have a, a, a strong ministry even, but still teach falsely. Sounds a lot like, do we not prophesy in your name? Do we not teach in your name? And reme- remember, many people travel the broad road, the wide road. Think too often, we, we Christians, we get caught up in the, the numbers game. We, we think that's always a sign of success, but it's not always. We have to remember, do they live like Jesus? Do they teach like Jesus? Does their teaching align with the Word of God, the apostolic teaching of the New Testament, the teaching of the church? We know that Paul warned us about false teachers who would come and that people would surround themselves with teachers who would say whatever it is their itching ears want to hear. He warned them about this. Friends, you can find a lot of, a lot of teachers. say They're Christian, they're pastors, they have theological degrees, and they can teach you falsely. But do they live like Jesus And do they teach like Jesus? Unfortunately, some people got the title pastor because they were a good speaker. But they teach whatever they want. And they typically will reject further education, seminary, training, ordination, and they're accountable to no one but themselves. These are also potential warning signs. Jesus says, by their fruit, you will recognize them. And a lot a lot of the famous pastors you hear about, many of them, they, they reject the teaching of the church and the and the training of the church. And I'm not trying to lay down any legalistic rule, but just beware. Not everyone who calls themselves pastor, it doesn't mean the same thing in every church, in every denomination. By their fruit, you'll recognize them. I also would be remiss if I did not warn you about false teaching you'll encounter online. There, It's been proven there are Sites run by people who are not Christians, who post Bible verses, Christian things, but then they use that to lead people astray into conspiracy theories. I mean, I've literally heard people, their families, it's like they can't even talk to their family anymore because they've been led astray by something online that looked Christian, that used Scripture. Bro, friends, be careful, and if you're going down a rabbit hole online, talk to your Small group, talk to your pastor, talk to other people. Don't just believe whatever it is you read online. You know that. I also would be remiss if I did not warn you about politicians who dress themselves up in Christian language. I see politicians on either side quote, quote a Bible verse and Christians get all excited. They're on our side. They're on our team. They quoted the Bible. Did you see it? But often they misquote it and misuse it for their own gain. In fact, I saw a clip recently of a politician who used Ephesians 6 and he encouraged their political base to put on the armor of God and take a stand against the left schemes. Now, if you know your Bible, you know Ephesians 6 is about taking a stand against the devil's schemes. Now, what's particularly troubling about this use of the Bible is it's actually the opposite point of what the Apostle Paul was making, that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the spiritual rulers in the heavenly places. And it also makes one side seem like we're God's side, they're the devil's side. Friends, and if they said it was the right scheme, I would be just as upset. You have to watch out. Watch out for the politicians who, who dress themselves up in Christian language, who use Bible verses, who use Christian symbols to get your vote. Watch out for the false teaching and watch out for these people who will divide the church because they try to use the word of God and play us against each other. Mind you, it's not a, this, the battle is not a left versus a right. In fact, many people on the left and the right were on the same team. We Can't forget that. Watch out to not be deceived. Watch for the fruit. Does this person live like Jesus? Do they look like Jesus? And do they teach like Jesus? Watch out for false teaching. Now, I also want to I'd be remiss to say don't go on some heresy hunt. All right? don't, don't be out there doing some inquisition. All right. In fact, in the covenant, we have, we have a phrase that I think mitigates a lot of this. We ask each other, you know, where's it written? Where is it written? Let's go back to the word of God in conversation, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, looking at the teaching of the church, and we ask each other, let's just go back to what the Bible says. So you don't have to go around beating people up, but if you're concerned, we'll just ask them, well, where's, it, where, where's that written? Let's go back to the Bible. And finally, the last warning Jesus gives is watch out for hearing, but not practicing. Jesus said there's people who hear his words. They're listening to his teaching. They're kind of around the, the, outside of the, on the outside of the circle listening to Jesus, but they won't put it into practice what he's taught. Now, friends, I've really enjoyed this sermon series. I've, I've really enjoyed teaching through the Sermon on the Mount. I hope you've enjoyed it too. I hope you've gained some fresh perspectives, some fresh insights on this text. I know I have. Uh, But if we stopped there, that would be a travesty. It's not just about giving you a little bit of enjoyment. It's not about even you learning a new tidbit about the Sermon on the Mount. It's about what are you doing about it? Are you putting this into practice? Are you following Him? Are you a follower of Jesus or are you just a believer? Are you just a fan? We're going to be followers of Jesus. We're going to follow Him. We're going to put into practice what He taught us. It's actually, I think, spiritually dangerous to hear a bunch of sermons, to listen to the teachings of Jesus and not do anything about it. If we're not as followers, we won't survive on Judgment Day. Now friends, no one knows what hell is like. I haven't been there, you haven't been there. But Jesus describes it in different ways. Just in, this, just in these few verses in the text we just talked about, Jesus talks about Destruction. A tree cut down and thrown into the fire, not entering the kingdom of heaven. Jesus saying to them, I never knew you, away from me. And he also gives us the picture of a house built on sand that falls apart and comes down with a great crash. This warning may be in the distance for you if you live long, or it could have come upon you tomorrow. The danger may be invisible now, but it is a reality for everybody. But if you heed the warnings of Jesus, we do have this gospel hope that we will find in the end not destruction but life. Not a tree that is cut down but a tree that thrives and is alive. Not a dismissal from the kingdom but a warm entrance into the kingdom. We'll be like a house built on the rock that will survive a great storm. This is the promise of the gospel. But consider the audacity of someone to say this. That how you respond to me is how you will be judged for eternity. This is audacious, right? Who would say this? Only someone who's either a lord, liar, or lunatic, as C.S. Lewis put it. But as Christians, we believe he's lord. He is king. He is even standing in the place of God himself as the ultimate judge of the living and the dead. And as king of this universe, he is summoning you into his kingdom, desiring that all would be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. So friends, each one of you, you're driving through life right now. You have to ask yourself, what road are you on? What road are you on? Jesus has given you these warning signs. Avoid that wide road. Go down the narrow one. And when you're on the narrow one, you'll see three more warning signs. Watch out for faking your Christianity. Watch out for false teaching and teachers. And watch out for just hearing my teaching and not practicing it. And as you drive along this road, Jesus is with you. He's sustaining you. He's encouraging you. He's helping you. And your house will be built on the rock as you follow him and obey him and know him.